I just had my one-year anniversary here. I can't even believe that. Yeah. I mean, I literally can't. It feels like about three months. I don't know if that's good or bad. I think it's good. I feel great. Uh, We got a chance to go to Seattle last week and uh, take my daughter on kind of a tour of my life. And um, uh, it was an interesting time. We We literally started from the house that um, I was taken to after I was born and, and raised in to elementary school, to middle school, to high school. And uh, the whole time she's like, Dad, you guys were so bad. <laughs> you know, we're telling her these stories about how we grew up. And she's like, you guys should be dead. I mean, what is going on? And it was so cool as we sang these songs. Um, I kept telling her, oh, but for the grace of God, at 21 years old, um, six months ago, I met Jesus. No, I'm 38 now. Um, But no, I I took her to the church where we met the Lord Jesus and how he changed our lives. And uh, I met with a family member, and this family member uh, who I watched grow up is is battling some addiction. And this is for you. This is to build hope in you. Um, And he said, said, how did did you do it, Uncle John? Don't call me that. He only gets to call me that. Um, He said, how did you do it? And I said, I didn't. And he's looking at me like, yeah, come on. I've tried everything. I mean, what was it for you? And you know, did you turn over a new leaf from what happened? And I said, no, none of that. Um, Something collided with me. There was a power. I mean, like we sing, you know, it just breaks chains. It's crazy. And I'm like, man, I, I, I became a Christian. I got saved, and it wasn't anything I did. I didn't, I didn't alter my behavior. I came as I was and broke in before the Lord and, and believed in him and asked for his forgiveness and, and wanted to turn from my old life, and he gave me a new power and a new life. And I'm, I'm a pastor now, and I used to run those streets. And so that hope is for everybody, and we want those stories. Amen. We want those stories for years to come. And that's a part of this vision series is to build this vision in what God can do in the lives of people in this city and in your lives. And uh, as I was driving around um, looking at my story, I realized my life is half over and I'm not trying to stay here forever anyway. But I want something more. I'm not satisfied. I want something real and powerful. And I I thought a lot about heaven uh, while I was in Seattle. And I I thought of this, and I even typed this in my phone, and I want this to be our heart's cry. Look, if we have to wait for heaven, I want all of God that I can get while waiting. And so this vision series is about that. God, unleash your vision in our hearts. God, give us more of you. Explode in our lives. Do things in this church that blow us away. So we want to know God's vision, and we want to unleash this. And this is our heart's cry anyway, and we're all, we're all looking for more. I say this almost every week. We're all looking for more, so we put these two things together. Um, if you're here for school, or you have grown up here, or you're generational San Franciscan, all of us know there's something more. All of us know we want something more. And as much as these are good endeavors, career and school and and retirement and all these great things, we have a hunger inside of us that nothing is, is quenching. And so I take that and I put it together with God's mission of being a church, and I say, God, what do you want me to do? Set me on a new mission and a new adventure. And I, I just got to think, when those two things collide, my hunger and God's mission, I'm going to find some peace. 
So that's what this thing is all about, is a gift of grace to you to say, come on this adventure with me. Let me lead us into this new vision and watch what happens in your hearts. And so we broke this into two pillars. Bethel has 16 or 18 amazing ministries. So this is not to say we're de-emphasizing anything. We have, we have amazing things going on here, but we want to hyper-emphasize two things, and it's found right there in Matthew 28. When Jesus dies on the cross, he, he rises from the dead, he comes forth, he gathers his, his motley crew up, and he says, guys, here's the mission. I want you to go into all the world. I want you to go into your cities, and I want you to preach the gospel. I want you to be a people for the cities, and then I want you to take those people who believe in me, and I want you to teach them how to follow all of my sayings and be a new people. That's the mission. You cannot improve on that call. So we broke this into two primary pillars that we need to focus on in 2017. We, we called it being a church for the city. We talked about that for two weeks. If you missed those sermons, go online. It's super important that you hear those. And then for the next two weeks, pillar two is being a church in community. So a church for the city, a church in community. Now when I say community, I'm not talking about that community. We already talked about that. We're going to be a church for the city. I'm talking about this being a real, biblical, raw, powerful, Holy Spirit, blowing our minds, transformative community of Jesus Christ. I mean, forget church if church is just church. But when church looks like Acts 2, something happens in the heart, and that's what we need. So we've been going back to Acts 2. Let's go back to where it all began. Let's figure out what this, this embryo, if you will, this, this new church was doing that brought about so much power and transformative work of the Holy Spirit. Let's study it. Let's see how it fits in or we fit into it. And let's, let's flow down the river of God. Let's not swim upstream. Let's flow with the power. So in Acts 2, here's where it all began. Let me tell you the backstory real quick. We're going to use a lot of the Bible. You guys good with that? Yeah, we're okay with that, right? So here's, what, here's, here's the setting of Acts 2. Jesus has died on the cross for our sins. He became a human to pay for the sins of human beings. So all that I did growing up in Seattle that violated God's way, all of my rejection of God, all of my sinning against God, which is just a, a Christian word for, for ignoring the things of God and doing the opposite of the things of God and watching my life fall apart. Jesus Christ, 2,000 plus years ago, came to fix that problem. He said, John, I'll become a human and I will represent you. And all that I do in my life can actually be passed to you. All of my perfection, my perfect life before God the Father, I'll pass it all to you if you believe in me. And I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. That's too easy. I spent 20 years destroying my life. You can't tell me just to believe in you. No, that's the grace of God. That's the beauty of God. And he says, not only that, but you've got a sin debt. And while God is love, God is also just. God is bound to deal with all that you've done against him, John. And Jesus says, but because we love you, because God loves you and I love you, I'm actually going to go on that cross and I'm going to take the judgment of God for you. I'm going to take a bullet for you. And what would have taken me an eternity to bear through Jesus Christ took it on in three hours. He rises, he, 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 is, he is quickened, he's made alive. He, he walks out of the tomb. He beats death. 
And he ascends back to heaven. And now the way is made completely clear for you and I to come back to God and have our sins forgiven and be given a new life with God. I didn't didn't say a weird life. I'm not saying you got to wear a certain thing or you you got to do these weird Christian things. I'm talking about a real life with God. Knowing love like you've never known it. Knowing community like you've never known it. So this is where we're at in Acts 2. Jesus had just died. He, he's, he's risen from the dead. And now this little band of broken Christians are hiding up in an attic in Jerusalem. And all of these people from all over Africa are flooding into Jerusalem because there's this big festival. And they're all coming every year and they're celebrating this festival from South Africa and different places in Africa. They all pour into this, this city in Jerusalem. And the city of Jerusalem is just overflowing with human beings. And this little band of Jesus followers receive the power of the Holy Spirit. And they don't even know what they're doing. They just just get out of that really hot attic and they walk down the stairs and they walk down the streets of the city of Jerusalem. And imagine this, like we're up in this upper room here somewhere in this building and, and something happens, man. We know the Spirit is just blowing us away and we're praying and it's like, man, something's coming over us. And we walk out into the streets of San Francisco and there's people from all over the world who've come to San Francisco for this big festival and nobody speaks each other's language and somehow we begin to tell them about Jesus in their own language. We don't even know their language. We just begin to speak and they begin to understand everything we have to say about Jesus. And they're not trying to kill us. They're stopped in the streets and they're frozen. And they say, we want this Jesus. We accept Jesus as our Savior. You know, like all good faith-filled Christians, Peter goes, you do? Whoa. And no doubt he turns to James and the other guys, the other Jesus followers, and he says, okay, we just got 3,000 new Christians. What do we do? The scripture says they baptize them, and then something incredible happens. Acts 2, 36 Here's the message that Peter's preaching as he's walking into the streets of Jerusalem and telling all these people about Jesus. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made Jesus both Lord and Christ. He wasn't just a guy from Galilee. He is God. This Jesus whom you crucified. But even though you crucified him, he loves you and he wants to forgive you and he wants to take you in and give you a new life. And here's what happens in verse 37. Oh God, give us this vision. Give us this work in the city. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. That's a good thing. I was, I was sitting in a, a, a little school with a church plant in Seattle, Washington, and I heard about this Jesus. I grew up in an atheist home. Fine atheist I am. And I heard this message of Jesus, and I was cut to the heart. I realized all the puzzle pieces began to come together. This is, this is the one I've been looking for, and yet I'm terrified. It's this Jesus. And they were cut to the heart, and they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? That, that's still the question for us. I mean, some of you have been saved longer than I've been alive. Praise the Lord. But the question is, What now? What are we doing with this thing? Verse 38, Peter said to them, repent, turn from your old life. Be baptized. Show people that you have a new life in Jesus. Every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, 
for the forgiveness of your sins. Your sins are forgiven. Show that you have a new life by being baptized and, and God will send the gift of the Holy Spirit to give you a new heart and a new love and you can be a part of a new community. And he goes, for the promises for you and for your children and for all who are far off, <laughs> that's a very kind way of saying, I don't care how jacked up you are. Everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. God is after everyone. With many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, and here's the key. Here's, here's why we're talking about community. Peter goes like this. Now that you're saved, save yourself from this crooked generation. What do you mean, Peter? Become a new type of humanity. Become a new type of community. Become a church that shows what it looks like to truly be, be human in the middle of this city. Be a part of this thing. So those who received his word were baptized and they were added that day about 3,000 souls. God is about to unleash himself. He's about to create a mission for these new believers. But the first thing he says is, you need to look at yourselves. You need to respond to this. You need to become a new type of community for each other. What does that new community look like? Acts 2, 42. Here's what happened, guys. And, you know, we always say, uh, and this isn't a shot at anybody, but we always say, well, they're a new believer and we got to give them time and everything else. And I, I get that. I get that. But watch the immediate response of 3,000 Jews who just accept Jesus as their Savior. Verse 42. And they, remember, these guys aren't even in their home country. It'd be like we go to China or something, or, or we go to the Philippines, or we go to Africa, and uh, we have, we, we're not going there for any Christian anything. We're not even Christians. And, and we hear this guy preaching Jesus, and we're so blown away that this is, this is the secret to life, Jesus Christ and the healing of the heart, that we accept Jesus as our Savior, and we say, look, we're flying out in three days. We're not going. We're staying here. Jesus is this amazing. So here's what they do, verse 42. And they devoted Underline the word, and they devoted. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. There's this community formation happening. They're tight. They're tighter than family. Verse 43, and awe, because they were a part of this new community called the church, awe came upon every soul. They were blown away at the love and the care they had for each other and the awesomeness of Jesus and many wonders and signs are being done through the apostles. It seems to me like a church devoted to itself is how awe in miraculous things come forth. Verse 44, and all who believed were together. There it is again. And had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions. Oh, you're not going back home? You're not traveling the, the 2,000 miles to go back home? You're going to stay with this new community? Well, look, I do live in Jerusalem. And I do got a piece of land that I was going to retire and, and, and lean on. But I tell you what, I'm going to sell that so you can stay here and worship Jesus with me. Whoa. Verse 45, they were selling the possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. 
And day by day, look at this, man, it's crazy, attending the temple. So the, the big Jewish temple, they were going out in the courtyard and kind of going in the corner of the courtyard, and they were together. There it is again. They're together. They're together. They're, they're devoted. They're together, and they were breaking bread in their homes. So it wasn't just the corporate service. They were also meeting through the week in their homes. I'm going to talk about that next week. We call that small groups. And they received their food. They were eating meals together. They were like family. They received their food with glad and generous hearts. They were a community, guys. Do you believe that could happen today? And then what happens from that? Verse 47, we talked about that in the last two weeks. They became a church for the city. They were praising God. And as they would leave this community of the church and go to work or go back into their neighborhoods, they were having favor with all the people, the people in the city. The people in the city were seeing how generous they are, how loving they are. And they had to wonder, what is going on in your hearts? And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. They would creep into the house they would knock on the door when the little community was meeting, the little community believers, and they would say, what are you guys about? You know, I hear you singing, and I hear you laughing, and it's like one in the morning, and candlelight is flooding through the windows, and you're still there, and, and I can hear the, the crazy songs you're singing. Like, what, what, what is going on? Well, come on in next week, and we'll show you what, what, what's going on. Come with us to the gathering up at the temple. We'll show you what this is about. This is about our Savior. And these Romans and these Jews who couldn't find life in all the other gods and wealth, they said, this is what I've been looking for. This is it. And they would become Christians. And this thing began to swell. What if we had such an attractive, such a raw and real community that the same thing was happening here? Now, maybe you're here and you're like, I'm not, I'm not convinced right now, Pastor John. Like, I get it. I'm, I'm busy. And I understand that. And I'm respecting that. But maybe you're like, I, I just don't know about the community thing. I'm not good with people. I don't have people skills. I like to just come in here, do my thing, and swing out. I'm not sure I'm convinced that I need community at that level. I'm doing quite well. Allow me to help you. If you are following Jesus with a heart that's radical and blown away in wanting more of Jesus... If you're following Jesus at that level, supernatural love, it's going to cost you. It's going to cost you because maybe you don't get the career that you've always dreamed, or maybe you don't get to travel the way you always dreamed, or maybe you don't spend the money the way you've always wanted to spend the money, or maybe you don't buy the outfit you've always wanted to buy, or, or maybe people think you're weird just a little bit, which in San Francisco, I don't think anybody thinks anybody's weird anymore. Great place to be a Christian. Like we're so normal. But it's going to cost you. It costs me. It costs me to be a Christian. The love of Jesus and the experience I get with Jesus, it's, it's not comparable to what I've given up. Not at all. But it will cost you. And in the cost, it's going to be hard at times. And that's when you're going to need the church community to keep you afloat. Look at Acts 2.40. He says, save yourselves from this crooked generation. You're, you can't function like you used to function. You can't go with the stream and flow of the world anymore. You got to follow Jesus and be blown away. You got a new life in Jesus, but that's going to cost you. But you got a community that's going to strengthen you through the cost. You see, we always talk about, do you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? That's fine. The scripture 
expressly speaks of a corporate relationship with Jesus Christ. That we have a relationship with Jesus as a community. The entire New Testament is built around churches, communities. And let me show the joy of it. Because this was, uh, I was talking to a young lady who was there when I became a Christian. And uh, she goes, yeah, I remember when you were, uh, when, you, when you first became a Christian. And she goes like this. And you would show up and you would just sit there. And she goes, I could see your tattoos. And, and you just had this, like, this look on your face like you were so mad. And I was like, because I was mad. I just, I just came out of a terrible lifestyle. And she goes, over time, I started seeing this smile and smile and smile and smile. But the hardest part, looking back on those days, was just that. I felt really weird around Christians until I realized, man, they're just normal people like me with an amazing Savior. And I can fit in with them because they're nothing but just human beings. And then I began to experience the joy of them having my back. And when things got hard, they were there for me. Look at Hebrews chapter 10. Jump over there. And let me show you the power of being woven into a, a church community. And we're already experiencing it in certain ways here. Hebrews 10, verse 23. The letter of Hebrews was written to Christian people who were trying to serve Jesus, but they were under all the pressure of culture to walk away from Jesus and to go the way of the culture and they were slipping. They were being pressed by family, and they were being pressed to go back to their old religions. And here's what the writer of Hebrews says. If you're going to stay following Jesus and know the joy of that life, then you've got to be a part of the community of the church. You need people. He goes, 1023, he goes, let us hold fast to the confession of our hope. Hold fast to Jesus. Don't waver. Go deeper with Jesus without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Now watch what he does here. If you're going to hold fast to Christianity, if you're going to go deeper with Jesus and have your mind blown and be changed into someone new, he goes like this. It's going to get real hard out there at times. And let us consider, let us study how to stir up one another. Know what that means? Hey, would you study how to irritate me? That's what that means. So when we come together, here's what I want you to do. I want you to study me, and I want you to know when to irritate me. You say, what do you mean? If I ever come in here, or if you ever come in here, or the person sitting behind you next to you or whatever, ever comes in here and they look wounded, they look tired, and they look like the culture's kind of beat them up, and, uh, you know, they're, they're just... Maybe they haven't been here for four or five weeks and they, they come back in and they're just kind of limping. You need to irritate them. It's in the Bible. You say, what do you mean? Verse 24, and let us study each other and let's figure out ways to, to irritate each other, to stir up one another. But watch how we do it, to love and good works. It is to say that when you're dragging and this thing's getting real hard, this Christian walk, but you know there's life in Jesus, drag yourself in here, and what we'll do is we'll have such a tight community that we'll study each other, and we'll aggravate each other by saying, hey man, God loves you. And there's no greater life than your life with God. And come on, you're not done yet. The grace of God is on you. And if it's gotten hard out there, the grace of God is sufficient. Romans 8, 1, there, there's therefore now no condemnation to those in Christ Jesus. I mean, who's condemning you? It is Christ that died, that who has rose again. It's not life or death or principalities or powers. Nothing can stop the love of God. It's only you who are doubting the love of God. And you know when you're on the receiving end of that, you start getting frustrated. Like, come on, I'm trying to feel sad for myself. Quit spitting Jesus at me. 
come on, we can do this thing. Come pray with me. Man, by the time you leave this place, you're going, man, if it wasn't for the community of Jesus Christ building me up as I, as I brought myself into their limping. And then he goes like this, verse 25, not neglecting to meet together. You can't do the Christian life in isolation. Come together. We need to be rebuilt week after week after week and reminded that this is the good life. Not neglecting to meet together as the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And man, guys, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. All the more when you start hearing about North Korea and Trump and chaos and all that's going on in this country and, and you're trying to pay a school bill or you're trying to deal with health, man, all the more get in here. And when people are in here, man, stir each other up with love and hope and let's go get this thing a stickability. Ecclesiastes 4.12, everybody thinks it's a wedding verse. And if you've used that for your wedding, it's all good. We all have. But he's like, look, there's a rope, and then there's two ropes. And then, man, you want to get real crazy, put three ropes together. That's a whole lot harder to break than one rope. And I know this is hard. I have, a, I have one point today. We'll see if I get to it. I know it's hard to be in community because it's simply not the way of the West. I have a friend who is from the Middle East, and she moved here. Uh, we just met her a little while ago. She moved here, uh, and I asked her, what is the main difference between the Middle East and here? She said, community. Isolation and individualism is celebrated. And by the way, you need some individualism and isolation in your life. But the community aspect is not, is not big here. We celebrate the individualistic, spontaneous life. And yet we're suffering as a country. And people often wonder why the church is exploding in China and in South Korea and Africa because there's still a culture built on community and Christianity just works in that culture because Christianity is built for community. So we have a hard call to do this. I believe we are bathed in luxury. I um, mean, you're like, you don't know <laughs> my income, buddy. Um, but think about us globally. Think about those who live in the city. Um, all the materialism that we have, all the wealth that we have is a blessing and a curse. Because we become these self-sustaining people. And yet we are, we are designed to be codependent on each other. Think of technology. Um, nothing wrong with technology. But we've created new types of community. Uh, I have 1,300 people that I've never met that are my friends. <laughs> All we know is the cool pictures about our perfect little lives on Facebook. They don't know what I go through. I don't know what they go through. But this is becoming the new, the new community. A few of our friends, fewer and fewer of our friends are fully present with us. Um, through technology, we get their words, we get their images only, not the, the embodied self. I need people in my life. And so I, I know that commitment is a scary thing. I know especially now we're in a fractured culture. Nobody wants to uh, commit to anybody right now. We don't know which way anything's going right now. 
But I want to encourage you. There's no substitute for God's plan. Jesus saved us into a community of believers for our good and for our strength. And so I'm going to cover two things in the next two weeks. I'm going to cover, first of all, this week, what the community does for you. And then I'm going to talk about how the community cares for each other. And that's what I want to spread through small groups next week. And you're going to be a big part of that. So here's my question I want to answer very quickly today. What does it look like to be a part of God's community? And why do you need it? So one point, write it down. LED's coming in a couple weeks. You won't have to do any of that anymore. We'll... uh, will saturate you with technology for the glory of God. But write this down, this one point, and I'm going to prove to you for your good and for your joy why the community of God's people is the most amazing thing and how much God wants to work through it. Here it is. Write this down. God is bringing forth the full you through the Christian community. God is bringing forth the full you through the Christian community. You're, you may be sitting here and you may be thinking, man, I'm tired of me. I want to be, be a fuller version of me. I want to be me that no longer has to wrestle with this and that. Well, God wants to bring forth that full you through the Christian community. And if we want to get real Christianese here, I would say it like this. God wants to make you like Jesus through the Christian community. You know anxiety and worry, you know our good friends? Frustration, judgment, anger, bitterness. You know all those weird things that we wrestle with? Do you know that you can, you can overwhelmingly be free of those things? Overwhelmingly, not entirely. That's what the resurrection is all about. But do you know that you can be overwhelmingly free? God wants to liberate you from those things and replace fear with faith and anxiety with hope and trust and judgment with grace and love. And he wants to do it through the Christian community. So let's take a look at it. Go back to Acts 2. Um, I love the church. In all our messiness, I love the church. By the way, and go back to Acts 2. I'm just going to, this is filler. I love the Christian community, not even because it's even close to perfect. You see, I would never know how to forgive if you didn't hurt me. You would never know how to be patient if I wasn't moving at 150 miles an hour as the leader of this church. All of you should have said amen right there. That was your chance. So even the rubs, even the fights are beautiful in the Christian community because they're growing us. They're revealing things about us. But nonetheless, let me work this out. How does God bring forth the full you through the Christian community? Well, the first thing I want to see in Acts 2 is I want to see how... How these early Christian believers viewed the church community. Look at it again, 242. We touched on it a little bit. 242, 244, 246. And they what? Say it, shout it. Help me now. And they what? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Verse 44. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. Verse 46, and day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, devoted together, 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 devoted together, everywhere, constantly. Listen to this very carefully. Regular life was seen as an interruption. 
I mean, they're like, really, we got to go to work? <laughs> we have been with the believers celebrating, singing. This feels like new earth life. We've been talking about Jesus. We've been breaking bread. This is so amazing. The sun has been down for hours now. We're all falling half asleep. Man, we got to go to work. This has to end. See, some of you say that about Sunday. You're like, ah, oh, it ends so soon. This is what we're hungry for. Regular life was seen as an interruption. Can I just tell you I struggle through the week? I mean, I struggle in a lot of ways, but I struggle because I can't wait to get back here. Tim Keller said these words, speaking of Acts 2, 42, 44, 46, devoted together. He goes, the word together is not so much something that they did, it was something that they were. They saw themselves as the people of Jesus saved into a community. That's my new identity. As radical as that is, this is who I am in Christ. They came together in the way that they did as a response, not through obedience or, or not through tradition or not what will people think if I'm not in church this morning. Forget all that. They came together as a response to the new life God had given them, a new culture, a new people who identified with them, a new people who celebrated the same thing, a new people who were on the same journey, a new people who were open, confessing their, their, their messiness in their lives and how Jesus wants to heal that and working together. They were, they were together because of love. First Thessalonians 4.9, Paul goes, there's one thing I don't need to teach you, church, and that's how to love one another. Because the love of God is shed abroad in your hearts through the Holy Spirit. You know how to love because the love of God is in you. You're addicted to each other as much as you don't want that. And it was the very act of coming together out of love over and over around Jesus. You see, see, if we're a church that just comes together and it's not around Jesus, we are, we are, we are no different than just an organization. But when Jesus is in the middle when they, when they came together around Jesus, that was changing their hearts. You say, how? Okay, get ready. Sit up straight. I don't want to lose anybody here. It's going to get a little, little thick. Here's how coming together will change you. And if you're like me, there's, there's just certain parts of me that I'm tired of. I want to see Jesus change it. I want to know the joy of Jesus. How then does coming together change me? You are becoming like the community you are deeply ingrained in. Whatever community that is, I don't care if it's, I mean, I don't mean that in, in a harsh way, but I don't, it doesn't matter to me if it's work, it doesn't matter if, if it's a club, it doesn't matter if it's a family, whatever it is. The community that you're hyper-devoted to, you're actually becoming like. That's what we call emulation, right? There's, there's no original human. We're designed to become who we are through emulation. That's why uh, when children are born, the way that they become these little personalities is by watching parents and emulating. And then as those kids become teenagers, um, they, they take on peers and they take on TV and all this other stuff, and they begin to develop deeper personalities through emulation. Now, no matter where you're at, the deeper you are involved in a community, the more that you're emulating without even realizing it, the more you're becoming like that community. Now, the opposite can happen too. If, if you're in some type of low exposure relationship, 
you're not going to become like that group. I mean, if you, if you have a library card and you're walking in the library, but you're not spending a lot of time there and you're looking at the uh, librarian and you're like, you know, how you doing? And you're in and out with your books. You're not going to become a quiet talker like the rest of the people in the library. If you're clocking in and out of work and you're not spending time with those people, you're not becoming like them. If you don't have family around or something like that, and you're not bathed in family, you're not becoming like them. It's a low exposure relationship. So whether it's school or a union you belong to or a yoga class or some type of organization, if you only allow some type of one point of contact, like hi, you simply will not become like them. But think of the places where tons of time is spent, like work and home. You have multiple points of contact, like sadness, like discussing goals, like talking about the job, like talking about what you did on the weekend and spending eight hours, nine hours, 10 hours with those same people over and over again. When you expose yourself to a community at that level, you cannot stop but to become like them. You let them in. That's why on lunch break, sitting out on the dock or whatever it is, you, you start opening, it, opening up with that guy or that lady that you work with. You start sharing your life because you're with them every day. You talk about struggles and joys and goals and dreams and family and how messed up the boss is and, and you spend time together and you begin to take on their likeness. Now think of the church of Jesus Christ. How many points of contact do we have? If we walk in and it's like, hey, and we're out. And we are exposed to a little bit of Jesus. We're not becoming like Jesus through the community. But if we can come together around Jesus and share our stories and share our prayer requests and share our burdens and someone's moving and we say, hey, come help me. And, and we pray like crazy people, you know, when we show up at the house and we're loading up a truck or when a baby's born, you know, people bring meals over to the house and all this stuff. And we're constantly exposing ourselves to each other with Jesus in the middle. That's what Wednesday night is about. That's what small groups are about. Sunday isn't enough. We've got to be together more with Jesus in the middle. And then as much as we talk about Jesus, sing about Jesus, pray to Jesus, hear about Jesus through the word, we will begin to take on his likeness together. That is why church community is so critical. They devoted themselves. Acts 2.42 they did the same thing every time they came together, and it, never, it, it was never old. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Teach us about Jesus. I'm angry. Teach me how Jesus would... Help me. Help me understand how Jesus wants me to deal with this anger. This person totally messed me up. Teach me how Jesus wants me to forgive. The apostles' teaching. Teach us the way of Jesus and the fellowship. Just... just Opening up life is what that means. Like, what are you going through? I'm going through this. Then we're going to help you. To the breaking of bread, celebrating the grace of God through communion and the prayers, corporate prayers where groups of five, 10, 500 get together and they pray for God's power to fall. They pray for God to come through for the needs in the church. That's Romans 12 too. They're renewing their minds by coming together constantly, talking about Jesus, praying to Jesus, exposing themselves to the ways of Jesus. And what's happening is they're becoming like Jesus. And you say, well, I can do that on my own. I've been doing that on my own for years. Well, I'm with C.S. Lewis in so many ways. I'm looking to buy... Well, never mind. 
C.S. Lewis said this. If, if you think you can do this on your own, I respect that, but here's what Lewis says. In each of my friends, there is something that only some other friend can fully bring out. By myself, I am not large enough to call the whole man into activity. I cannot love until you come in my life at the level I need to love and can love until you come in my life and you share your brokenness and your heartache and then I'm able to respond to that and love you. I cannot learn to forgive the way I'm supposed to forgive unless we're in community and things go wrong and we look to Jesus and heal it. You need community to bring the full you forth and that's a beautiful person. John Piper said we come together to be so radically satisfied in God that we are freed from the fears and pleasures of this world and follow Jesus on the Calvary road of love. And so we will grow at the level of influence we give to the church community as the church community goes deep with Christ. So let me give you some, some closing encouragements, next steps, if we can call, call it that. Let's, let's not create a culture where if someone goes on vacation and they come back, everyone's like, Hebrews 10, don't forsake the assembly. No, 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 we're not, we're not doing that. Everyone's got an attendance sheet. You know? We're not talking about that. There's life to be lived. There's life to be lived. But let me just encourage you to create natural rhythms. You ought to write that down. We need Christian rhythms. The Lord's Day. Let it be the Lord's Day again. I know we're in San Francisco and we're savvy and we're cooler than the rest of the world. It's true. <laughs> but as Christian people in San Francisco, let's, let's still make the Lord's Day the Lord's Day. And if you're vacationing or you're sick or, or you need to rest or you work, it is what it is. We're not talking about that. But when you're here... Be in the community and worship the Lord. Saturate yourself with Jesus on this day. Wednesday night, confident living. We sit at tables. We, we break bread. We have a meal together. We learn about Jesus. We pray for each other. We talk about Jesus. We're exposing ourselves to Jesus as a community. We're becoming more like Jesus. The things that are being said from those people who attend Confident Living is so blessing my heart. You say, well, I can't come Wednesday. We have two community groups, two small groups on Thursday nights now. See, I got you. <laughs> I'm gonna love you into this thing. We have two community groups on Thursday nights. I, I hope in the next two years to have many, many more on other days. We have a men's community group here that Don leads downstairs in the fellowship hall. I lead one. It's now moved to Andrew and Joanna's uh, place. Um, Luke and Allie are, probably had their baby, um, which you talk about community. We're rallying around them to love on them. But be a part of those community groups. You say, where do I get information, all of this? Well, come see me. Um, call the church. Look on the website. We will get you information so you can go deeper into community. And again, next week, the whole sermon, the whole message is going to be about developing more of these small groups so we can have natural rhythms of not just being here on Sunday, but meeting through the week, being able to ask the hard questions, the frustrations, the confusions, to get prayer, to get true friendships developed, and seek and find real help together as we journey together through this crazy life. 
as great as it is, God did not simply send us the Bible. But instead, God also came himself in the flesh to be fully present to us in Jesus Christ. In the same way, we have to learn to be fully present in community with our Christian brothers and sisters to find that transformative work of the Holy Spirit. And I cannot imagine a greater strength to know that as I go through that crazy world out there and that crazy life, I have a group of people to fall back on if things ever get nuts out there who have my back, who understand grace, who will restore my soul and keep me going for Jesus. Let's be a church and community. Let's pray.